Welcome in. Happy Monday. Hope everybody is feeling right, living well. Happy to be back in Nashville after a long week of work in Tampa Bay. A lot to discuss, a jam-packed loaded show that we have for you over the course of the next three hours with you until one o'clock on this Monday. If you want to get involved, 615-737-1045 is the number. 615-737-1045. So I'm back in Nashville, but I'm not at the palatial 1045 The Zone Studios. Lucas, I was told I was going to be done with Zoom um, as early as yesterday morning. But instead, here I sit in my home, isolated. I'm sure you're happy to have at least another day of reprieve until we have to uh, reunite. But I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about the idea that I came home yesterday. Or I was flying home yesterday. But right before I got on the plane, uh, I was preparing to do a Zoom press conference with the Titans head coach, with Mike Vrabel. Now, I knew something was up. As soon as we got an email yesterday morning saying, hey, you know, we're going to bump, uh, bump his press conference, his day after press conference, back an hour, we're going to do it on Zoom. And immediately I'm just sitting there, I'll bleep. Like, what happened? You know, who, what, what is causing us to yet again be scattered to the wind? Not that, and I mean, listen, Zoom is, Zoom is hugely convenient, all these things, like there's a lot of good benefits of it for people like me. But today, um, or yesterday, when Mike Vrabel popped on the Zoom and was like, yeah, I tested positive for COVID-19. I just, you know, just a, just a death spiral of anxiety is what I experienced yesterday sitting in the Tampa airport. Because I'm so, I mean, one, first and foremost, I'm glad that he's mostly feeling okay. Of course, that's a scary situation for anybody who's dealt with this thing. It is a perpetual just... Uh, just cloud that hovers over us the last 19 months at this point. And I, I struggle with just getting smacked in the face with the reality of it again, because that there's a great many reasons why one, I hope that Mike and his family and Jen, and, and I don't know if the boys are, are like home right now, but everybody uh, and, and on his staff and the players, like I hope that everybody who may be a close contact with this thing, ends up being all right. Um, and, and many people do, and, and thank God he's vaccinated and all this stuff. But I just, I was sitting there in the airport. And as soon as I, as soon as he said it on the zoom call with us, I'm just like, damn, like, again, we're going to have this conversation. I, I dread this as a person who spends as much time as I do in front of a microphone. Cause I know people are tired of it. They don't want to talk about COVID anymore. I don't, want to, I don't want to fight with people about COVID anymore. I don't want to let this thing, even though it does, and we have no say in the matter, just basically dictate how we all handle our day-to-day lives. I don't. I'm sick of it. Just as I know so many of you out there are sick of it. But the reality of it is, yeah, this stuff's still going to happen. So Mike says he tests positive yesterday. And then he, he expanded on kind of what, what the, the process is going to look like. Um, and basically who's going to be at the, at the reins of this thing. Cause you know, it's, it's immediately and as, as, as it so often is in football, like when a player gets hurt on the field and you, you know, you got him on your fantasy roster or something like that. You want to know who's up next. And it just immediately pivots from, you know, hope, hope you're feeling good coach to, okay, who's going to do his job and make sure that we, that the Titans stay undefeated in the preseason or that they're ready to go for, 
September 12th and all this, all this just trivial crap. <laughs> but Mike kind of expanded on it yesterday in his Zoom press conference with us, you know, how he could have gotten it and basically where things go from here with him. This was Mike Vrabel in his media avail- availability with us on Sunday. <clears throat> Mike, there's been some chatter that I've heard that maybe some of the Bucks coaches tested positive for COVID. At this point, any indication of where uh, the contact may have come from that led to your positive? No, Teresa, I, I apologize. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, you know, trying to concentrate on that. You know, those that that had tested positive, I hope that they're they're healthy and that uh, they're feeling better as well as anybody else. And we've had. You know, we've been through this, and, and the most important thing is that uh, we focus on everyone's health. We we focus on their family's health, uh, those people close to them. Um, you know, so that that's really important to me. And uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be be fine, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure this thing out. And uh, but but the health of, of everyone involved is what's most important. Uh, you just, I think what it, what it comes down to is you have to have two negative tests within a 48 hour, uh, period. And so, you know, if that, if that happens, um, then I'll be able to go into the building and if not, it'll be, you know, 10 days. Uh, and as far as what does happen, as far as practice goes in meetings, I guess, will you continue to zoom in and, and is there anybody you're going to put maybe in charge of, of running things while you're gone until you be back or how is that, how's that going to look? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that some thought today. I'm sure I'll be involved um, in the Zoom squad meetings. But you know, the one thing is that um, you know I'm comfortable with you know Craig Aukerman, uh, who is who has touched a lot of players in the special teams meetings, uh, and so he his his reach in special teams goes on both sides of the football. But uh, you know, also very lucky to have you know Jim Hazlitt and uh, Jim Schwartz, guys that have been head coaches. Uh, in this league, you know, so there's a lot of guys that, you know, we, we could lean on uh, in that capacity. But, you know, right now I'm going to work through a lot of those things. We don't go out onto the practice field until to, tomorrow. You know, today my focus was on, uh, you know, the corrections on the film and watching that. And then also the the health of our football team and, and some of the roster things that John and I have talked through. That's Mike Vrabel on Zoom yesterday, the Titans head coach testing positive for COVID-19 and sharing that with all of us. And basically, you know, how how the thing moves forward, because already we're getting tweets. How many how many of these vultures are out there just waiting for Jim Schwartz to take take things over? Like you guys are the worst, man. <laughs> tweets about it. 615-737-1045. Uh, Craig Aukerman is, has basically been, he doesn't have assistant head coach in his title, but the Titans special teams coach. When I think there was a day last year where they basically simulated what it would be like if Mike couldn't be out there with the team during COVID, and I think it was I think it was that they ended up taking um, one of one of their sons up to college for a day. I can't remember if it was Carter or Tyler. Either way, so Vrabel was gone from practice for a day, and Craig Aukerman ran the show. And so what he's saying there is, yeah, they they do have certain plans in place for people who are concerned as much with the progress, the forward momentum of the football team as they are about the head coach. And of course we wish him a speedy recovery and hope everybody that he potentially came into contact with um, ends up, you know, not having it or being asymptomatic, of course. And he did note yesterday 
in that press conference with us that at the time, as of, I think that was at one o'clock central time yesterday, at the time they did not have any other positive tests on the Titans. Now they, they all had the, the little trackers that they wear, um, with them throughout the course of the past couple of days. Hell, we even had them, all of us who traveled. It's why I'm sitting here at home just out of an abundance of precaution. Cause I tested, uh, I went to get tested media gets tested. I think it's like once every two weeks at this point, if we're somebody who goes to practice every day and is going to be interviewing the players from a, uh, from the, the league required 10 feet distance that they've set in place for us, but just out of an abundance of caution, you know, I stayed home today uh, to make sure that my test, my test comes back negative too. Cause I don't know. I'm Vrabel's vaccinated. He's got it. Frank Reich has been double vaccinated. The Colts coach, he got it a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I've been vaccinated. I have no idea what the situation is right now. So we're all just kind of hovering in this state of uncertainty that drives me crazy. And like more than anything, I don't, I don't want people's opinions on COVID today. Like I don't want to hear, I'm really not interested in people who are going to respond to this and be like, well, you know, the vaccines don't matter because the look at Mike, he got the vaccine and he's got COVID anyway. Do it all this guy. Really? I'm so sick and tired of having the same, uh, same arguments over and over and over again with people that just don't want to just don't want to either listen to reason or, you know, are doing things their own way for any kind of particular reason. Of course, individual choices at the, uh, as is at the forefront of all of this, but it's just such an irritation to have to sink back into this over and over again with something like, uh, with something like COVID-19. And, you know, I mean, immediately it gets, it gets, it gets so far inflamed because, and this is, you know, this is part of the job, but I'm looking at, at uh, Jenna Lane, who is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers reporter for ESPN. And immediately after the news comes out that Mike's tested positive, Jenna is tweeting out photos of him with Tom Brady all, all week, right? Because they're boys and they, they just had joint practices together. And of course, if we all spent a week in Florida, basically somebody was going to come up with COVID because that state is on fire with it right now. Just as it seems like Tennessee is for all the numbers that you, that you see, coming out there and with everybody returning to school and all that's all, all of all the conversation that surrounds that. So at at least in the meantime, he's going to continue to be involved. And again, two negative tests in the span uh, within 24 hours of each other to basically two negative tests in a 48 hour period before he can return to the facility, or it ends up being a 10 day period that he will have to stay away. So that's, you know, uh, until until such time as as he gets those negative tests back, um, it'll just kind of remain in this in this flux where they have to find ways to adjust with this on the fly. It's still going to be a big theme with the NFL this year and with sports this year. Look at Cam Newton, who today uh, our buddy Mike Giardi at the NFL Network tweeted out that Cam Newton has not come to practice. Apparently, there's a statement from the Patriots that's been issued due to a misunderstanding about tests conducted away from the NFL facilities and as required by the NFL and NFLPA protocols, Cam Newton will be subject to the five-day entry cadence process before returning to the facility. So you're still going to have moments where something like this comes up and it knocks a starting quarterback out or a star wide receiver or, you know, uh, or a linebacker or something like this, whether it's them themselves getting tested or 
how the uh, or or testing positive or how the NFL is mandating the protocols this year that are going to make return to play uh, not difficult, but a process to return from. Of course, I, it's just a stark reality for those for those people like myself. I feel like I lulled myself into a false sense of security, and I'm pissed at myself about it. Not to be alarmist about any of this stuff because I think that's what I've tried to avoid and what we've tried to avoid as a show. But I have had this false sense of security that, yeah, after I got vaxxed, I can basically resume life as normal. And that's just not the case if we're all trying to avoid these infections with COVID-19. Anyway, we will uh, we will pivot to uh, we'll pivot to a more uh, a more football focused conversation. And Titans, former Titans and former Oilers wide receiver Chris Sanders will join us coming up next. We're going to have Corey Curtis of uh, WKRN News 2 was on the sidelines for all these preseason games to talk about the actual game itself because there was a lot of exciting stuff, if you're a Titans fan, to pull from that. But we're coming up next, we're going to talk about the wide receivers, and we're going to remember a, a friend of mine and a friend of Chris's, former Titans general manager Floyd Reese, who passed away on Sunday and, uh, and, and unfortunately lost his battle with cancer, which was heartbreaking. But uh, Chris Sanders is going to pay tribute to him. I look forward to having that conversation with Chris coming up next, and we'll get his thoughts on this team as well. So it's not all doom and gloom here on a Monday on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome in. Hopefully you're uh, coming off a fantastic weekend. Hopefully you're having a great Monday so far. There is always the opportunity for us to have a great Monday. Anytime we can catch up with our buddy, former Titans and Oilers wide receiver, Chris Sanders, who joins us on the line right now. It has been too long, my brother. How are we living? Hey, well, how you doing, man? You make me sound so old. You said former Oiler. I mean, that makes me sound like I'm, <laughs> I'm really old and, and got a cane. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, buddy. It's been too long since we've talked. Listen, not old, distinguished, distinguished. There you go. Put a, put a handsome, <laughs> say handsome or, you know, something like that, man. I'm just kidding. How you been doing, man? I listen to you on the radio, man. You do an outstanding job, man. The only thing I'm, I am, I'm really kind of jealous right now because you have, the, you have the radio voice, and I want my voice <laughs> to be like yours. I mean, you sound like Barry White, Billy Ocean, one of those guys with, you know. <laughs> it's, Billy it's a cross Ocean. Between that. I would man, say, I would say. <laughs> You cannot disrespect these men like that, Chris, by comparing me to them. That's not how. They, no, that's that's just, completely unfair. I, I'm just kidding, man. I, I'm just jealous because I want the voice, man. I sound like uh, Gary Coleman, so we're good. <laughs> well, listen, whether you sound like yeah. Gary Coleman or not, you killed yeah. it with uh, with our friends over at WKRN on the Thank preseason you. game broadcast over the Appreciate weekend, you. Chris. Uh, Chris, who does a lot of great work across the media landscape here Thank you. in Nashville, whether it's on uh, talking with TD to Ron Davenport's podcast. You can check them out there as Thank well. You. I always enjoy those segments when I listen to the pot. So, Chris, I, I, I don't want to go totally doom and gloom, but, of course, we sure. did lose somebody who's very close to both of us over yeah. the weekend and means a lot to the city of Nashville, um, Floyd Reese. And I heard you tell your story uh, last night, or excuse me, sa- Saturday night on, on the WKRN broadcast about Floyd, and I just wanted to kind of have a conversation with you about what, what that man meant to you not just from a career standpoint, but what, how it kind of changed your life to become a part of this organization. Uh, you know, the one thing I love about Floyd is, number one, he, he took a chance on me. I mean, if you look at in that 1995 draft, uh, there was a lot of great receivers in there. We had J.J. Stokes, Westbrook, we had Joey, Joey Galloway, guys like that that he definitely could have drafted. 
but he took a chance on me because he saw something in me. And, and I always told him that, that, you know, I was seeing him walking in the halls. I always, I always would thank him for always, you know, keeping me in mind to even draft me. So I'm, I'm very thankful on that part. But on the personal side, I look at him as, as one of my heroes. And the reason why I look at one of my heroes is because he didn't just care about himself or about his family. He cared so much about the organization. You know, I remember, um, and, I, and I'll say this, I remember 1999, um, he, he called me to his office. And he said this. He said, "Hey, Bub." He would always say, "Bub," before he, before he said anything. Yeah. And he would say, "Chris." He said, "Chris, I, I need a favor from you." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! You asking me for a favor?" The general manager. He said, "Man, I need I need to get under the salary cap." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, Floyd, what what do you need me to do?" And he was kind of like, you know, in, in in a panic mode. And he said, "Chris, I need you to take a six hundred thousand dollar pay cut." And at first, I'm looking at him like, you know, what in Sammy Hill are we talking about? But yeah. then I looked in his eyes because he knew that he needed to get under the salary cap, and I needed to take a pay cut. So what I did is I took the pay cut and said, you know what, I want to be a team player, and this this is a true story. With a tear in his eye, he hugged me, and he said, Chris, I want to thank you for being a part of this organization. General managers don't do that. You know, some, a, lot of, a lot of general managers give a little phony, hey, bud, we're glad you're here and this and that. But when I saw a tear in his eye and he hugged me, he said, Chris, thank you for doing this and thank you for being a part of this organization. And then on the flip side, let me, let's take it even further. When he had to release me because of salary cap, he said it was a hard decision, and I went to Cleveland. And you got to know the, the, the track record of uh, Floyd Reese. He never brings back former players. He, he never right. does it. He just said, I don't believe in that. So now – I'm at, the, I'm at the end of my career, and I'm basically hurt, and I go to Cleveland, I get cut from Cleveland, so I'm sitting at home. All of a sudden, I get a call, and he said, Chris, you, you, you want to come back and, and retire as a Tennessee Titan? Come on, man. Come on. You, you general managers just don't do that. He brought. He knew I wasn't 100%. He knew I couldn't run like I used to be. He knew I couldn't do the things that I did as I did as a rookie. But as the man that he is and the hero that he is, he brought me in and said, I'm going to do this for you because you did that for me in 1999. Come on, what a man. We just lost a great, great hero. Man, people are people are reacting. We've got we've got this show on YouTube now too, Chris, and there people are tweet or uh, commenting. You know who's cutting onions, man? It it really it it hurts me to th- to just even think about him. Even as much as I love that man, because Chris, you know you know what I was like at the at the start of my career when we started working together. I had no business talking about professional football. I had no business covering the NFL, and I had to, I had the opportunity to learn about this organization from one of the people who basic who all but built the foundation of NFL football in Tennessee and had de- spent so many years before that with the Houston Oilers it uh, it just it breaks my heart to think that we lost him Wait, but but you, you but you know what I, I love about him and, and he was so personable and, and let me tell you this another story I mean this is so many stories uh, I remember when I retired from the NFL and I was trying to figure things out and I, I wanted to be a wide receiver coach in the NFL or even at the college level so I said okay I called him on the I called him on his phone or text him on his phone I said you know Floyd can I meet with you and I want you to actually do an interview with me and, and I'm gonna show you my receivers manual and everything on something I need to work out so he asked me the hard questions and this and that and he said this he said you know, you will be great or well, great wide receiver in the league. He just said, we just got to get you in front of people. And he was asking me the hard question. He was telling me the things that I need to work on, the things that I can do, and the things that what, you know, general managers are looking for. So for him to, and he didn't, he, he didn't just invite me to McDonald's and say, okay, we'll be somewhere. He invited me into his house. When's the last time a general manager, a general manager invites you into his personal space? We're not talking about, well, meet me somewhere, we'll meet in a public place. He invited me into his house. And when he invited me into his house, 
it just showed me a different side of him that I'm I'm his friend. And and then and then another thing, I'm not trying to get emotional, but I was talking to Jared Stillman yesterday and uh he was he was telling me how much Floyd Reeves loved me and yeah. how much he respected me because of the trials and tribulations that I went through. And I'm like, why would Floyd Reese look up to me when I'm looking up to him? So, listen, I'm not just saying it because, you know, he's gone, but I'm telling you, we didn't just lose a general manager. We lost a hero. We lost a, a great husband. We lost a great father. We lost a mentor. We lost so many things. But guess what I'm going to do? Even though I'm sad and I'm hurting, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep his legacy alive. And the way I'm going to keep his legacy alive is every time I get on 102.5 or any time I get on 104.5, any time I get on TV, I'm going to let his light shine. Because why? He mentored me in some things that I need to be better at. Former Titans wide receiver Chris Sanders here with us on 104.5 The Zone. We're paying tribute to our guy, former general manager Floyd Reese, who passed away. Uh, just turned 73 this month, earlier this month, and uh, and unfortunately lost his fight with cancer. What 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 is what is what does he mean, Chris? Not just we've talked about what he's meant to to the two of us personally, and and these have been really fantastic stories that you've been able to share with the audience. Because I don't, you know, people people know these figures in their favorite sports teams from a distance, but they don't always get to know the peop the actual human beings uh, that the characters are. What is what is this organization without Floyd Reese? Um, it's it, it's tough. I mean, you you can't replace him, and, and I and I never want to disrespect Jay Rob because I think Jay Rob is a phenomenal general manager. But that's he's cut from a cloth from from Flurry. So you know he he just understands how to build a team. I mean, look at all the people that he brought in: Stephen there, Eddie George, Lorenzo Neal, Kevin Dyson, Yanton Thigpen, Frank Wachek, Brad Hopkins, Bruce Matthews, Kevin Long, Benji Ocean, John Runyon. That's just on the offense. Then you go to defense. You got Javon Curse, Josh Evans, Jason Fitz, Henry Ford, Eddie Robinson, Baron Worthen, Joe Bowden, Denar Walker, Samario, Blaine Bishop. All those guys were from different places. But he transformed guys into being to being a, a team into a straight up family. That's the reason why we won in 1999, and that's the reason why we went to the Super Bowl because he understood the business. He understood what he had to do, but also he he was always professional. And even when he would come out of the locker rooms, a lot of general managers go to their car and do whatever they think, do what they do. But he would come out of the locker room and also in the locker room after the game and shake everybody's hand to say, "Hey, listen, I appreciate you. Hey, keep up the good work. I love what you're doing." With that smile in his face. So, man, it's more than just football. It's about building a family, and that's exactly what uh, Floyd Reese did. Without question. It's, uh, I really appreciate you sharing some of these memories with us. Chris Sanders here with us on 104.5 The Zone. So, I mean, to that end, Chris, I hate, I hate to pivot just to straight football, but it, I would hate to have you on and not talk to you about this football team as they try and build a, a, a successful franchise in the way that Floyd Reese did. They haven't had that kind of success since Floyd and Jeff Fisher were running the show here in Tennessee. What what have you made so far of this team through, understandably, two preseason games, but what growth and progress have you seen from the team that we saw last year uh, that really seemed to really seemed to have things figured out on the offensive side of the football, but there was there have been such great questions about their depth 
And now we've seen some of that start to play out throughout the course of the last couple of weeks. But you know what? If you look at last year, the, the Tennessee Titans uh, offense was good. You had A.J. Brown. You had Corey Davis. You had Henry. You had Furch. You had all those great things on offense. But if you look at the Achilles heel of the Tennessee Titans, it was the defense. The defense struggled on getting off on third down and not putting pressure on the quarterback. So those are two things that, you know, they were bad at. But look at the two preseason, the pre, the two preseason games with Atlanta and Tampa. Number one, they're pressuring the quarterback. They're making the quarterback make bad decisions. Number two, Two, they're getting turnovers and they're getting off the field on third down. Because if you look at the Atlanta Falcons, uh, when they played against Atlanta Falcons in the preseason, the, the Atlanta Falcons were two for 12 on third down. So that was Achilles Hill for the Tennessee Titans last year. Now they're improving it. Because if you look at what Mike Brable and Jay Rob said, they said they want fa- a fast defense, a team that gets off on third down, and they want versatile players. And when you got versatile players being in the right position, you're going to put yourself in, the, in, in position to make plays. When they went against Atlanta Falcons, they had five sacks. When they went, went against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had three sacks. They're pressuring the quarterback. you got Elijah Moda that's playing great. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a sight to see with the Tennessee Titans having a great offense, and now all of a sudden you're having a great defense and all your starters are not even in there yet. Two of 12 against the Falcons. They only allowed the Buccaneers to be two of 14 on third down on Saturday night. They still haven't allowed, again, it's, it is preseason. We understand it's only preseason, but they have not allowed a touchdown through these two games. It's been been really good to see that kind of progress, even if it may not necessarily translate exactly that way towards the regular season. Certainly those principles have been emphasized. Chris, we've really enjoyed having you on the radio Thank show. You, man. Thank always, you for having me. always welcome. I know we're going to be checking it out. You're going to be a part of, uh, of the broadcast uh, with, uh, with the Chicago Bears for WKRN as yeah. well. Really enjoyed your analysis. On Thank the so uh, over there with Emily Proud and Kayla Anderson, our friend Corey Curtis. So take care, buddy, and we'll have to appreciate have you, you back man. again soon. It's been too long. Oh man, I appreciate. It. I'm still jealous, though. <laughs> That's all right. That's all I'm, je- I'm jealous of your career. Let you gotta let me have. You, you gotta let other people have something, Chris. If I ain't got the voice, I got nothing. At least you had well, well, you know athletic com- accomplishments out the butt. Well, man, I appreciate you so much, my friend. Appreciate, love you guys. Thank you so much, my dude, Chris Sanders. Always a pleasure to catch up. With him here on 104.5 The Zone. Got me in my feels, Lucas. He does that to me every time. Every time I talk to him, he's such a warm and caring individual uh, that it it just, it I, I so much enjoy Chris Sanders' energy. And that was something that I really enjoyed about Floyd, man. I just, I really, I really hated that over the weekend and, and our, of course our, uh, our thoughts and prayers to, to Sally and, and his entire family. Chris just always knows how to hit me, hit me where it hurts. I don't get emotional like that with other people. Yeah. Everybody that was close to him seems to have a story like that about Floyd. Yeah. And I had, so I did the, the first pregame show that we're going to start doing before the games. And we're going to talk about the game itself. If you guys want to weigh in six, one, five, seven, three, seven, one Oh, four, five. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how people have been handling this conversation today. I, I, uh, I was trying to get my show together this morning, so I didn't have a time to catch a ton of J Martin Ramon. And I didn't hear how they kind of discussed Floyd, but like, I don't know if people are calling in with like memories of those teams or with Floyd specifically, but if you want to do that, you're of course, welcome. 615-737-1045 or any, what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday's preseason game as well? Cause of course, we're going to get into that in more detail. But what really hit me in the face was John Robinson after the game on Saturday. We were not expecting him to speak to the media after the Titans took down the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, really, another 
dominant preseason performance thus far. But John, uh, not, not wandered in is not the right word, but John came in to talk to us before Mike Vrabel and the players did in the uh, post-game interview room. And he started talking about Floyd and you could tell how emotional he was. Everybody has a, has a story about this great man who came into contact with him. Here was Titans general manager, John Robinson on Saturday. We, we lost a good one today in, in Floyd Reese. Um, he meant a lot to this organization. He meant a lot to me personally. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to Miss Sally, her family, all the friends that, that Floyd had in football and, and, and in life. And he always had that smile on his face. He always had that laugh. Um, I learned a lot from him. And, and I think to speak to the character of what Floyd uh, means to me, um, when I was interviewing for the job to come home to Tennessee, uh, he picked up the phone and called Steve Underwood for me. The last time Steve Underwood talked to Floyd Reese was when he let him go. That's the type of man that Floyd Reese was. He believed in me. He believed in what we're about. And I think he's looking down tonight, and he's proud of the way our team played with a lot of competitiveness, a lot of effort, a lot of grit. Because as a football man, that's what we're looking for. Um, again, our, I, I can't say enough good things about Floyd, and, and I'm deeply saddened, and I'm so sorry uh, for Miss Sally and, and her family. So uh, I just wanted to come say that, speak on behalf of the organization, uh, Miss Amy and her family. Um, going into Ring of Honor, it pains me to think he's not going to be there to see it in person, um, but he'll certainly be, he'll have that smile from heaven looking down and probably a chuckle when they pull the banner down. So uh, thank you guys for taking the time, and um, God bless the Reese family. Thank you. That was general manager John Robinson on uh, after Saturday's game talking about Floyd. Um, I, I think I think so many of us have stories like that with Floyd, maybe not necessarily to the extent of of, you know, John taking the position that Floyd used to that Floyd dominated in the NFL while he was a member of this organization, the winningest GM in this franchise's history. And of course, you know, that point John made about Floyd not being around to go in, being around to see himself go into the Titans ring of honor for as much, you know, as for as many jokes as we've made about the Titans ring of honor and things of that nature, it means something to these guys, man, these, you cannot. And I said this on the pregame show. So apologies if it sounds redundant, but I feel like, you know, enough time has passed that I wanted to talk about it here. You cannot write the history of the NFL without Floyd Reese, without those Titans teams, the Titans team that in its first couple of years of existence went to the Super Bowl and is responsible for as much pain as it's caused people who love this organization. The Kevin Dyson outstretched arm one yard from the end zone against the, the Los Angeles Rams in a way that, or I think it was the LA Rams at the time. I can't remember if they were St. Louis or LA either way, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you cannot write the history of the NFL without that man. And I think there are so many people who would not have a history of their own in this league, be it media players, executives like John Robinson there without Floyd Reese. So I, I, I hate how we've started this show talking about COVID and, and the passing of a, of a, a great man and a dear friend and, somebody who I know this city has the utmost respect for, even as they may have disagreed with his decisions at one time or another. Um, just wanted to have Chris on and, and pay tribute to Floyd Reese 
there. When we come back, we will do uh, people who stock up, uh, who went, who got, whose stock went up or whose stock went down from the football weekend, who won or lost the football weekend coming up next. And then we will get into more detail about what happened with the Titans in Tampa Bay. Another dominating preseason win for this organization heading into the final pre- week of the preseason with a home game against the Chicago Bears. All that and more, your phone calls as well, 615-737-1045. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back here on 104.5 The Zone. Buck Rising with you until 1 o'clock. Winners and losers of the weekend in football. It's what we're going to do every Monday during the football season right now. At some point, Lucas, I'm once Rhett Bryan becomes less busy, which we may have missed the window on until basically next season. I'd like some imaging around this too, but I have, you know, things, there's things that we should probably talk about off air before I put that pressure on you publicly, but that's it's just the way that we see fit to do things around here. Unfortunately for the people who have to work with me, 615-737-1045. You want to jump in on the conversation? We're going to focus in on the Titans game against the Buccaneers in much greater detail over the last Two hours, Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2, who was on the sideline for both of these preseason games and will be against the Bears on Saturday, will join us at 1220. So stick around for that. I got some really uh, some really exciting observations, if you're a Titans fan, about Elijah Molden in hour two as well. But if you want to nominate somebody whose stock went up from the football weekend or whose stock tanked based on a performance that you saw, Player, coach, organization, whomever. Now is the time. 615-737-1045. You want me to start? You want to start. How do you want to do this today? Go ahead. Okay. The team I get now, I I thought about this a couple of different ways. There have been uh, many excited tweets from the Colts Twitter handle about Carson Wentz, who among uh, several other players, Ryan Kelly, the center, and Quentin Nelson, the all-pro guard, who apparently returning to practice in some kind of limited capacity this week. There are uh, many excitable tweets from Indianapolis Colts, Twitter accounts, and their fan base about Carson Wentz returning from the injury that's plagued him, the foot injury that's plagued him that he had to have surgery on. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic has tweeted out, even more convinced now than I was two hours ago that it'll be Carson Wentz under center in week one for the Colts. Setbacks can happen for sure, but he absolutely absolutely looked like a guy today who will be ready to go in three weeks. So that five to 12 week timeline, which it would have been funny if, you know, not that Mike Vrabel looked like, looked to be in any kind of a joking mood when he was telling us all that he tested positive for COVID, but I really felt like it was a missed opportunity not to make a five to 12 week timeline joke there for Vrabel either way. I, I can make that joke, Lucas. It's not too soon. Don't sneer at me like that. I see you, even though I'm not in studio today. I can see you still. <laughs> I would have loved to have heard his reaction. <laughs> what? It, um, I, or his reaction would not be safe for the radio airwaves. 615-737-1045. I don't know if the Colts are winners by having Carson Wentz back or losers, because I still think that it doesn't put them in that much better of a position. And so I'm kind of breaking the rules of my own game here, but it is beneficial to them that it's not Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger who will start 
And of course, we don't know specifically whether it will be Carson Wentz under, under center, but the optimism abounds today for the Colts fans and for the media who's been reacting to this thing and covering this story closer than we have. It seems like it will be Carson Wentz for week one, and they will play the Seattle Seahawks, and they have a very, very difficult early schedule. So you want your best assets out on the field uh, if you are the Indianapolis Colts. I just, I still have this lingering feeling or intuition about Carson Wentz that I just don't know how much better he actually makes them based on the body of work. I understand why Colts fans would be excited about this. I understand that him, he is probably still a better option than the guys behind him, but there's just something about this Carson Wentz obsession that I cannot get myself, I cannot get myself to buy into that all of a the sudden there's going to be this career, career resurgence from the dude who was the worst starting quarterback in football a year ago. 615-737-1045. As far as, as, far as losers go, this weekend, I thought that Kyle Trask was so awful against the Tennessee Titans. I was shocked by how badly he looked. Uh, bad he looked. He is the fourth quarterback on this roster behind Tom Brady, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, who is like the Chase Daniels of the world, who still survives in the league in a way that is shocking to me. But he is by far and away the fourth quarterback on that team. What the hell happened to him? We were talking about him as a Heisman candidate, and maybe not all Heisman candidates at quarterback translate to the pros the way that some of these dudes do, or maybe the expectations that you hold them to. But really, ever since that bowl game when everybody opted out or all the the skill position players that Florida had last year opted out for pre-draft reasons or otherwise, Kyle Trask looks like hell. I don't think there's anybody who did themselves more of a disservice by their performance on the field than the former Florida quarterback. He was pretty bad. No, he, <laughs> he was pretty, pretty bad. bad. He was wretched. I mean, wretched. Like there, and really, the Bucks, the Bucks looked bad. And I, this is preseason, right? So you know that these are not the players that you're going to see. Mostly not the players that you're going to see once the regular season rolls around because they're going to get in there and roll. But like. 13 to 26, 131 yards, two picks. Uh, he had he had a rating of 32.7. Took a sack for six yard for a six yard loss. Uh, he was he was abominable out on the field by a wide margin compared to the other quarterbacks who did play snaps. You had Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin out there as well. He by far played the most, but he I mean the only the only real highlight for the Bucks was Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon, who ragdolled Dylan Radens for as long as they were going up against each other in that game. The rich got richer in that regard. That's not what you want to see if you're a, a fan of any of the other 31 NFL teams who are trying to take knock the Bucks off their pedestal. But Kyle Trask, loser, I guess winners Colts fans, but even though I don't know how much of a win that is until we see what exactly Carson Wentz can do. My winner of the weekend is Corey Davis. Ooh, okay. Six targets, four catches, 70 yards. No, Jamison Crowder did not play for the Jets against the Packers over the weekend. Neither did rookie Elijah Moore. Uh, But Corey Davis looks to be the most established receiver right now on the Jets roster as far as that connection with Zach Wilson. He looked to Corey Davis, it looked like, on every pass attempt on Saturday in in the Jets' win over the Packers. I think Corey Davis might have a 1,000-yard season if Elijah Moore can't get 100% by week one, which I think he's supposed to. Jamison Crowder will do his thing, but... I think you're looking at Corey Davis potentially 
leading the Jets in receiving this season. Uh, well, and that's based off of what one he, preseason game. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't want to just we're we're doing this off preseason games, so like there are going to be stuff that that's uh, what's the word that's basically a mirage. But like, I mean, what based off Corey's body of work last year tells you that he isn't capable of doing that this year in New York, given what they have and and their quarterback situation looks to be better, but we don't know what Zach Wilson really is yet. And we won't know until we see a, a more, uh, a larger body of work from him. But yeah, I mean, Corey Davis is more than capable. Like <laughs> Corey Davis, is not a bad player. Um, even though a lot of Titans fans just, just uh, not the despised him is, is too strong, but really were over him even as well as he played last year. And then things started to fade for him, by the way, over the course last year, you saw Jair Alexander really locked him up against the Green Bay Packers. And then against that, uh, against Baltimore in the playoffs, he was sidelined with something that we still really weren't told much about what was plaguing him to where in the, in the critical moments of that game, he was sitting on the sidelines with his head, helmet off dealing with something, uh, perpetually dealing with something. It felt like was Corey Davis, but yeah, I, th- I think that's an okay re- uh, reaction for you to have off of preseason. Yeah, Corey Davis, good player. Especially for a rookie like Zach Wilson, I think fair to say the guy he's leaned on throughout the preseason is going to be the guy he leans on early on in the regular season when he doesn't have all his guys at his disposal early on as he tries to get a feel and get acclimated with the Jets. I I mean, that's a crutch right there. I think Corey Davis is going to be a safety blanket this season. Yeah. Um, So what you're saying is take Corey Davis in fantasy football if you've not already done your fantasy football drafts. Quentin Campbell tweets and uh, reminds me that Kyle Trask also lost the ball scrambling out of the pocket. Yeah, he was running with the football, and he bounced <laughs> he it off his it. thigh. Just, just dropped, dropped it. it. And just, just like Blaine Gabbard had a moment, too, that was just – and I, I really like Blaine Gabbard as a person. He was fun to talk to when he was here for a couple of years. But, like, Blaine Gabbard had this moment where he was trying to hand off the ball and did hand off the ball to Keyshawn Vaughn, but he just, like, he tripped over his offensive lineman's feet, and he just, he just saw him, like – if you're watching on zone TV, just kind of like fall helplessly to the side as he was giving the handoff. It was just such a Blaine Gabbert play, man. You you feel for him because you hate for that to be somebody's legacy. But God, it was a bad quarterbacking for the Bucks. Not named Tom Brady over the weekend. Oof. My loser of the weekend is Jimmy Garoppolo. As Trey Ooh. Lance bounces back from somewhat of a rough start through a pick early on, but ends up 8 of 14, 102 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Jimmy G, six pass attempts, completed three, one of them, an interception. Uh, only 15 pass yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like that Andy Dalton-Justin Fields situation, but Jimmy G, obviously, much more of a starter-quality quarterback than Andy Dalton is, and you just feel that rookie breathing down your neck. He's garnering all the hype out of the preseason. It just feels like a matter of when and not if. And in, in the case of Garoppolo, he just... I guess he. I guess he doesn't have more to lose than Andy Dalton because he's a guy who could probably find a starting situation much easier than Dalton could. Uh, but I don't know. It, it feels like a Trey Lance as the 49ers starting quarterback is a matter of when, not if, maybe sooner rather than later, given what we've seen. Oh, for sure. Given, especially given the things that you're starting to notice, uh, Trey Lance do like he had a beautiful touchdown pass where he's looking off the safety. You see him manipulating the pocket that way, manipulating the se- the players in the secondary. I thought I and and again preseason, you understand that defenses aren't going all out, but you you do like what you're seeing from a player who is regarded as one of the higher upside prospects 
in this year's draft. You just don't know if he's going to come for your job right out of the gate or not, as Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be sweating. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk in greater detail about the Titans' preseason performance, another dominating performance against an opponent, uh, this time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a quarterback competition that I think has sprung up behind Ryan Tannehill. We'll get into it. Coming up next, I'm Buck Rising. You're listening to 104.5 The Zone.